Beer with Buffy is a retro-analytical love roast of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. If you'd like to support our show financially, you can find us on patreon.com slash beerwithbuffy. Don't forget to review us on iTunes if you like what you hear. I was told you were coming. The big bad is back. This time... I'm not sure I'm getting the clearance to come into the initiative. I've been thinking about the world. Like vampires. Take a stand and say that. It's fucking fantastic. I love that sound. Uh, the ice cream bar is this one. Good morning, boys and girls. This is Beer with Buffy. I'm Rex. I'm Josh. Get ready, it's time to strap in and loosen your belts because it's Thanksgiving! It's December, Rex. Who cares? It's that lovely time of year where we pretend to be something we're not. For free food. Happy? Yeah, something like that. Hap, hap, happy. <laughs> Welcome to the hap, hap, happy show, where nobody ever isn't happy all the time. <laughs> you know what can make people happy? TV? A free shirt. I was going to say <laughs> strapping on for the holidays, but... <laughs> I mean, that that could make plenty of people happy, I'm sure. Depends on what you're into. <laughs> we don't kink shame here at Beer with Buffy. Damn right. <laughs> Unless it's disgusting. <laughs> anyway, here at Beer with Buffy, we are running a t-shirt contest, or drawing, or whatever you want to call it, where you have a chance to win a free Beer with Buffy t-shirt. All you got to do is... Tweet an original tweet at Beer with Buffy with the hashtag BWB shirt. Shirt. And give us an optionable, or an optionable. <laughs> what, what was the other word that you mispronounced just before we started? You, were, you kept saying diddle. D- digital. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> let's, let's work that in organically at some yeah. point. And give us an optionable, but preferable. God damn it. <laughs> I am. Optional. I wish I could say I was off my game today, but I'm never on my game. Eh. And give us a preferably but optional glowing review. And remember, kissing ass doesn't increase chances of winning, but it's always appreciated. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, don't let that deter you at all. And hey, we're nearing our drawing for the first shirt. Damn right. I mean, I don't think we've established that there are going to be multiple shirts, but yeah, the first shirt. That's right. We discussed it, but not really, like, decided on. Yeah, we're probably going to run more t-shirt contests in the relative near future. Probably every other month or so. Don't quote us. What day did we say the drawing was going to be? So we fucked up on the date, but suffice to say, next week we'll have a winner. Soon. Very soon. Yeah. Better get those entries in while you can. That's right. It's that time again, Josh. It's time to summon your mother. Let me go cut off a chicken's head real quick. (laughs) Don't do that, Joshua. You can't be ritually killing all the time just in my name. I mean, why not? It's Thanksgiving. That's what we do, isn't it? Oh, that's just like you, Joshua. I mean, Joshua, what are you doing, Joshua? (laughs) Well, ritualistically killing an animal to summon you because... (laughs) Rex made it rather obvious that this is more of a conjuring event than, uh, hey, you're in the other room, or even just a voice in Josh's head kind of an ordeal. 
Why not both? Why not? <laughs> why not both? Why not? <laughs> well, Joshua, whatever you want to call it in your sadistic, twisted little way, are you feeling sufficiently guilty enough for the holidays? <laughs> well, now that you're here, no one will ever have to worry about that whole feeling guilty thing ever again. I think you've got that handled for us. What's that supposed to mean, Joshua? Is that any way to treat your mother? What, with accountability? You know, just don't pretend you have the moral high ground while you're brazenly exploiting emotions. Damn it, Joshua, it's the holidays! You'd better be nice to your brother this year. Remember how he doesn't like being held accountable either. <laughs> Hope you're listening, Matt. <laughs> he might actually be. <laughs> yeah, I... I also just don't like pretending to be happy. What? You're not happy? Here, watch some TV that's contrivedly feel good. <laughs> Are people in it as sad as I am? No? Then fuck off! So that's why you like Buffy the Vampire Slayer. It's that angel, isn't it? Is it because he broods harder than you do, Joshua? <laughs> Nobody broods harder than- Wait, Angel? Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> he is the master brooder. What What about your spikety spike? Is, is he broody enough yet? Why is he at Thanksgiving, Joshua? That's so sacrilegious. Spike's on his way to getting fairly broody. Um, he's gotten his ass fairly thoroughly kicked in the last couple episodes. He's still reeling from having been caught by the initiative and surgically inserted into his brain an implant that keeps him from being able to feed. So he's literally starving on this Thanksgiving episode, which I think is a great irony that maybe they did on purpose. It's not just good timing. Buffy wants to have the perfect Thanksgiving, or more of a Friendsgiving, because her mother's out of town with her aunt and didn't invite Buffy to go with her, which is just kind of a dick move, but it is what it is. Maybe they had a long, solid chat about it, and Buffy was like, no, just go. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> I can brood better by myself. <laughs> So Xander's got a new job working for this construction company. We start out the show with him falling immediately through into this old, abandoned, and thought to be lost in an earthquake structure, and it immediately releases the sentient green blob that turns out to be an Indian that's seeking revenge for all of its dead and wronged ancestors that were taken out by the Americans, you know, centuries ago in the town of Sunnydale. And it starts running amok and killing everybody. Amok, 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 amok. Amok, amok. Sorry, that's the first thing that pops in my head. Waka, waka, waka. That's the most appropriate thing to say right now, Rex. You're so culturally sensitive. Damn right. <laughs> what is beer with Buffy, if not completely culturally sensitive all of the time? <laughs> and 100% not highly inappropriate anyway so buffy's trying to have this perfect thanksgiving throughout but shit just keeps getting in the way like this spirit of american indian vengeance and spike needing help and xander getting really sick and she doesn't know that it's 
part of her problem, but Angel's in town protecting her and telling everyone but her. So they end up having a wonderful Thanksgiving. Hilarity ensues. They find a way to kill the demon. Spoilers, it's with his own knife. And everybody lives happily ever after until the next episode. Ladies, gentlemen, spiny-headed bitches. As soon as the sun goes down, 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 down. As soon as the sun goes down, 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 down. Competition is a beautiful thing. Cold open. Cold open. Guy walking through the woods at night. He's all scared. He hears things stalking him. Oh no, a pretty girl. She's behind me. Yep. Turns out he's being stalked by Buffy, and it turns out he's not just some scared dude. He's a vampire. What are you doing? Why don't you just leave me alone? Why don't you stop pretending to be a helpless little douche? She fights the vamp, kills him quick. Yeah. So why do vampires always get such an excited look on their face when they say, The Slayer? Like, the Slayer is a celestial ordained field executioner specifically intended <laughs> to murder as many of your species as possible in their lifetime. And you're fucking excited to see her every time. You should be treating that shit like the goddamn boogeyman. <laughs> Seriously. Like, I, I'm pressed to think of a real motivation for this reaction. Is it glory, lust? Like... Hey, if I kill you, I automatically skip 10 levels of powering up. <laughs> is it is it just pure unadulterated hubris or arrogance that they think they can just casually take down the Slayer without any prior notice or preparation? I it's it's like if every time a bank robber got caught being a bank robber, he has to do kung fu on the cop that comes after them, and this specific cop was called the bank robber killer. And they're always like, oh, it's the bank robber killer, renowned for all the bank robbers he's killed. I can't wait to try my hand at killing you instead. I can't think of any reason why I would be in any danger at all. Or I think I like this analogy better. A deer going, oh, bright light coming at me 80 miles per hour. Um... <laughs> that sure is pretty <laughs> I think I'll fight it with kung fu I think they kind of do that <laughs> I mean deer in headlights literally is like look at that shiny thing coming at me 80 miles an hour maybe if I don't move it can't see me <laughs> I, does it want to be friends <laughs> yeah. you'll be my friend won't you <laughs> <laughs> it makes me think of the the bit in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy when the whale is falling, and he's like, yeah. "What is this big thing? This big thing? It needs a it needs a big name. Ground, ground. We'll call it ground. Maybe it wants to be friends. Hey, ground. Will you be my friend? <laughs> and as he only had five minutes to get acclimated to how things work, or something like that. I don't know. It's it's an excellent book. Check it out. Anyway, put your broody coats on and skulkily saunter about with a slight air of eventual purpose towards your final destination. And don't you dare worry about whether the people in this episode are going to make you feel bad about yourself by being happier than you are because we've got a 100% sad as you are guarantee on Mr. <laughs> broody Angel himself lurking in the bushes like a fucking boss. Yeah. Yeah. 
Doing his Lurky McLurkerson. I write those things down, by the way. I, I, I know you know. <laughs> For fuck's sake. Well, who else could you possibly be talking to, Josh? <laughs> I don't think you understand this abstract concept of recording ourselves for a larger audience. I don't know what you're fucking talking about. We just hang out on occasion and talk at these things it's, and nothing happens. It's like time travel. Yeah. <laughs> Our audience technically doesn't exist yet. Anyway... That is true. Yeah. Opening credits. And then we go to probably my second favorite scene in the entire episode. <laughs> oh, yeah. It is. it is. It's silly. It's so silly. Of all the scenes that we've had with Anya thus far, this is the scene that sells her as a character in my eyes on the show. Right. Like, this scene is just like, it makes me happy that she's here. <laughs> <laughs> They're at a groundbreaking ceremony where they're going to be opening an... Oh, yeah, that is what that's called. Yeah. <laughs> Literally a groundbreaking. Yes. <laughs> but they're going to be building a new cultural center. Yeah. And it gets put on hold because of irony. <laughs> <laughs> it's an irony emergency. <laughs> There's too much iron. But during the And that is irony. What? Is that from something? Futurama, the musical episode, the Holophoner oh. episode. I don't remember that. Using a word other than its original intention. That is irony. Because they make this big deal about, <laughs> that's not irony, that's just coincidence. But the way that everybody uses the word irony is technically just coincidence. Right. So irony is actually like in that episode when he says, when the devil tries to take Leela's hand in marriage, he meant it more literally because that episode is all about swapping hands literally. Right. As in robot hands and Fry's hands and blah. Anyway. So. Yes. And you said it's canceled due to irony. Well, it's. Ironic that it's canceled because the site that they were going to build a cultural center is a now going to be a cultural landmark because they found an archaeological cultural landmark cultural landmark under where they were going to build a cultural center. Yeah, that's not irony. That's just coincidence. There's no wordplay on it. Eh, okay. <laughs> well, I mean, irony basically does mean that now because we've repurposed the word. Yeah. So it's fine. Either way, moving on. Oh, how <laughs> ironic. So that voice, by the way, is not just hedonism bot. It's also robot devil, which by proxy is Homer Simpson because it's Dan Castellaneta. Yes. Anyway, so the speech is happening. We discover that Xander has a new job for this construction company and Anya's all hot and bothered over it. Woo, hot and bothered. It's a cover. What's a cover? Hot and bothered. That's why we can't get sued, because it's a cover. Oh. I'm sorry. Go on. I'm not sorry, but go on anyway. <laughs> I just wanted to point out, I I thought this was really hilarious, because during this uh, woman's speech, when Anya's being all like upset that they're doing this speech, yeah. a car alarm goes off. Oh, yeah. The honking. I had to pause the video because I was, I thought it was a car outside. Uh-huh. But I'm like, I'm wearing my headphones. How can I hear a car? <clears throat> but yeah, I was wondering that myself. I think that really happened while they were filming, and they said, "Fuck it." Yeah, yeah. I, 
my guess is like they had a couple of takes, but none of them were good enough to to use. So they just had to go with the one that had the fucking. That was probably just the best cut, and they were like, you know, shit like that happens during these things anyway. Well, and it's an outside shoot, so they probably only had that location for a very small window. Yep. I thought that was fucking hilarious. That is hilarious. Dig this. Dig this. Sorry, you had to wait. Fire beheading. Hurry up, sweet dreams. Sunlight. Hurry up, sweet dreams. And water. Usual. Oh, yeah. I hit him. With what? A desk. There's a nice little rant from Willow here. Because uh, they're <laughs> dedicating this cultural center right before Thanksgiving. The woman it, does... It represents the melting pot of America. Yeah. And uh, communities and cultures working together. And in that... <laughs> let's all work together in harmony. <laughs> <laughs> and that is total bullshit. And anyone who's like trying to talk that way about Thanksgiving is fucking wrong. And that's Willow's point. And it's a good point. I wonder what Harmony's opinion on this would be. Ew, I don't want people working together inside of me. Uh, I went there. Too far? I don't know anymore. (laughs) I can't tell. (laughs) You've broken my meter. (laughs) Was that more Krusty the Clown? That was much more Krusty the Clown, yeah. Yeah, you're usually more Woody Woodpecker. Yeah, I'm trying to change it up a bit. Oh, that's good. You're welcome. My favorite part, Anya calls Thanksgiving a ritual sacrifice. Which is fantastic. And Buffy's like, that's not what it is. And she like just looks over her shoulder and deadpans, you kill an animal and eat it to commemorate an historical event. It's a ritual sacrifice with pie. With pie. <laughs> the pie is the best part, really, but also the ritual sacrifice. And- From this moment on, this is how I will refer to Thanksgiving. (laughs) Happy ritual sacrifice. Oh my God, I'm going to go around saying that. (laughs) Happy Festivus and ritual sacrifice. Yes. Yes. Uh, (laughs) Beer with Buffy, ruining holidays, one holiday at a time. And we're up to two. (laughs) Yeehaw. Yippee-ki-yay, motherfuckers. (laughs) Oh, Speaking but, of, I haven't seen Die Hard yet this year. Well, it's not quite Christmas yet, so we're nah, there. It's not Christmas until <laughs> Hank Gruber falls from Nakatomi Tower. <laughs> Plaza, sorry. Hans Gruber, you said Hank. Oh, Hans Gruber. <laughs> yes. Well, he's German. <laughs> he was British. The actor was British. The character is German. Actors are indistinguishable from their characters, Rex. I think we all know this. No. Oh, is I think you're just delusional. All right, let me go do a brush-up course at <laughs> my theater degree college. <laughs> that was obviously the best thing that ever happened to me. Anyway, after calling Thanksgiving the ritual sacrifice that it is, Anya starts getting a bit pissy because the woman giving the speech grabs the shovel and she's going to she's going to start digging and Anya's like, "What is she doing?" Xander said he was going to dig. I want to see Xander dig. She's not ripply at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, her clothes were too baggy. There was there was no rippling. No, no, no rippling at all. There's also. Where's the lie? Like, she doesn't even do like a full shovel's worth. She just like not even a half a shovel's worth. There was worth. the most pathetic little 
Like, I could have picked up more with my hands. I honestly think the reason she didn't do, like, a full shovel's worth... Like, normally with groundbreaking ceremonies, you see them, like, stab the shovel in, and that's, like, a big deal. But I bet they couldn't do that because of, like, licensing or the location restrictions. (laughs) Nobody who has a shovel in this scene actually, like, digs into the ground. They just kind of shuffle some like top sand yeah (laughs) i feel like xander does just before he falls through no he's like barely and then the camera before he falls through doesn't show the ground good times so then you know cut to xander falling through the ground (laughs) yep into some sort of abandoned cavernous thingy i have an important question here if you're falling through the ceiling that can't be kool-aid manning can it like what what's the term for that um Kool-Aid Manning would be going through the wall. Kool-Aid spelunking? No, like, I mean, is there any (laughs) cultural reference we can make to somebody falling through a ceiling? I can't think of anything great. I don't know, but I think we're encroaching upon the definition of contrived. Yeah, probably. (laughs) Angel stands outside watching Buffy. Ah, the stalkery, voyeuristic nostalgia of it all. Yeah, outside the dorm at night. Where Willow and Buffy are talking about the mission that was buried there. Buffy is staring out her window for seemingly no reason at all. She's feeling the call to the broody. She really is. God damn it, Buffy. (laughs) Oh, I know you can't see me, Buffy. You know, so many people. Can you feel my motherfucking (laughs) broodiness? You know, so many people. Like a homing pigeon. Feels its way back to the hole it broods in. So many people have been like, are you guys going to do Angel? And all I can think anytime someone's like, you should do Angel. I'm like, (laughs) we would never get through an episode of Angel. God (laughs) damn it, Rex. Don't you know how broody I am? That would... You want to know how it would be if we did Angel? That's an episode of us doing Angel. That's the whole episode. <laughs> We're going to do it. I mean, it's it's coming like a freight train. Someday, though, it, when we are doing Angel, we need to do just a special episode that is just you saying that line over and over again for an hour. <laughs> no, we're going to do riff tracks where I do the broody voice interjected into what Angel must be thinking throughout the scenes. Could you... Could you manage that for a whole episode? Sure, why not? That would impress me, actually. <laughs> uh, you mean just being able to do that voice for a whole episode? Yeah. Oh, probably not, actually. Anyway, so yeah, Angel's lurking about outside. Uh, Buffy obviously senses his presence because she, like, from... I got the brood, eh, Buffy? <laughs> but yeah, they're they're talking about people going home for the holidays and everything, and this is when Buffy mentions that her mom went to her aunt's, and she really wants to have a Thanksgiving, and I can totally get behind this. Like, mm-hmm. You know, she's like, I think I smell something. It's the broody. (laughs) Is it broody? I think I smell broody. Anyway. all the remote broodiness, (laughs) Buffy. Damn it, Angel, you're disrupting (laughs) our episode, too. Willow's like, but we talked about Thanksgiving. It's a sham. A sham with yams. A yam sham. That's the best kind (laughs) of sham. Yam sham. It's way better than a sham wow. <laughs> Fuck you, sham wow. I've never used your product and I just hate the verbiage. Yeah. I also don't like yams. I like sweet potatoes. 
Did you know that yams and sweet potatoes are two completely different things? No, I didn't. Actually, They're not even remotely related to each other botanically. I was just about to ask. That's good to know. So I don't know if I like yams or not then. They actually taste almost identical. You can't tell them apart. What? Yep, but they're completely unrelated botanically. Neat. It's fucking fascinating. One is South American and one is African, and I can't remember which is which. Well, funny you should mention that because there's lots of proof of, and I'm sure you know about this, there's like identical fossils found on both the coastlines yeah. of South America and Africa because of the Pangea effect. Yeah. I'm dating. I, I'm having serious dating with a werewolf. And I'm studying witchcraft and, and killing vampires. It's like a drug. So yeah, Buffy longs for simpler years when she was a kid. She gets Willow to cave, but Willow's <laughs> Willow doesn't want to invite Anya. But you kind of have to invite Anya if you're inviting Xander. They're kind of a thing. Yeah. Cut to outside. Cut to the woods. Where Spike is walking about with a tattered blanket. <laughs> <laughs> looking weak and pathetic. Throughout this episode, I like to call him Tiny Tim Spike. <laughs> yes. Because that's the analogy this whole time. He's supposed to look as pathetic as Tiny Tim to the point that we almost feel sympathy for him. Especially in an upcoming scene. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they they were hamming that up big time. Yeah, they were. Uh, so he's being chased by Riley and Forrest and whatever that other guy's name yeah, is. I can never fucking remember his I, name. It's not, he's not important. He never has lines. Guy number three. Yeah, guy number three. But yeah, the initiative are stalking him, and apparently Riley is going to be in town longer than the rest of them or something like that. Oh, I did kind of enjoy their exchange here, where Riley's really good at putting Forrest in his place. Mm. Yeah, very much so. Uh, Riley says, as long as he knows about the initiative, he's a threat, referring to Spike, of course. We do this the professor's way, and Forrest pulls that bullshit maneuver, mama's boy, <coughs> where he fakely coughs over what he's saying. Riley responds, ingeniously, I thought. Oh, yeah, definitely. That's a nasty cough. You might need to spend the weekend in quarantine. Oh, no, I'm I'm done coughing. Yeah. yeah, fucking right you are, Forrest. It, it is brilliant because he puts Forrest in his place without actually remotely acknowledging the insubordination. Yeah, he basically pulled rank on him without stepping outside of the boundaries of their friendship. And not calling attention to the fact that he was being an ass. And continuing to use the same analogy... Which yes. is hilarious. Using it against him. That was ingenious. Yeah. I wish that that wasn't a pre-written thing, and I wish I could think that that happened spontaneously in real life at some point. I don't know. Maybe it did. Maybe it didn't. Cut to Xander's house. Xander's very lethargically getting dressed. Anya finds a sweaty, feverish Xander and promptly disrobes him and tells him he can't go to work. Yeah. He fights back a wee bit, but obviously... <laughs> Hard air quotes, fights back. <laughs> he makes a slip and calls her his girlfriend. And she's like, girlfriend? <laughs> and he's like, uh, uh, I, I might be delirious. Well, I'm delirious. <laughs> I didn't do that. <laughs> well, you might as well just be married now, Xander. 
<laughs> She's like, well, whatever it is that's making you sick so far, I like it. <laughs> it makes you call me your girlfriend. She's pretty giddy over it. Which is kind of cute, honestly. Yep, and then we get a quick little cut back to the mission where we see green smoke come out of the place and rise up <laughs> through the ceiling. Green sentient gaseous blob orbs its way out of the hole dug by Xander. Like 33% of the episodes of Star Trek start. Yeah. 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 I can't think of what to do with this episode. Wait, what if some sort of weird energy field enters the ship and fucks with everything? By God, you've done it! We've never done that before. How will this be different from the 18,000 last times we've done that? It won't. By God, you've done it. This time it will make someone pregnant. Oh, my. Which they actually did that once. Did they? <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. I think I remember that. Yeah. And she gave birth in like a day. Yeah. Yeah. It was a whole thing. Cool. <laughs> Cut to an office somewhere. Yeah, the woman who was dedicating the cultural center. Gerhardt. She gets killed. <laughs> She's talking on the phone about having to find a new location for this cultural center. And Green Sension Blob turns into an Indian and immediately slits her throat. Yeah, surprisingly brutal. Noteworthy point here. He steals an artifact from a display case to do it, which is this funky looking... Old yeah. Indian artifact knife because is this this is some sort of museum I guess yeah it's a Shumash exhibit sort of thing or it's like the old cultural center yeah. that they're trying to build a new location for exactly okay um I did like the little bit of effect they did with him grabbing the knife because the smoke goes around the knife and then becomes a hand oh. and you, there's a moment where the smoke is shaped like a hand holding the knife and then it materializes into the hand it was a cool little effect okay yeah i didn't catch that and so yeah she did now yeah cut to some darker lighting and two strips of caution tape added to the exact same shot yeah and it's a different time a different well no the exact same place yes (laughs) (laughs) and buffy and willow are casually breaking and entering a crime scene like they do. Like they do. Yeah, they really should have given Willow a name that starts with E, so we could call them B and E. Yeah. <laughs> that would be nice. Every time they break and enter somewhere. Oh, time for some B and E. Hey. <laughs> Aaron? No. E names. Uh, Everica. Well, it would have to kind of <laughs> have the same feel of Willow. Hello. Hello. <laughs> I don't know. Did you just say hello? No. I no. said Hello. But close enough. Yeah. <laughs> Willow is super fixating on the missing ear, which I'm grateful they didn't actually show us that part. <laughs> I know, right? But they quickly end up inspecting the case where the knife came from, and they find a description of the missing artifact, which is, in fact, a Shumash Indian tribe. Uh, was it a ritualistic knife of some sort or just a... It didn't say, but it said early 1800s. Uh, yeah, knife kebab doodad kajigger thingy knife. Yeah. Shumash. My penis got diseases from Shumash <laughs> tribe. We're not there yet. Oh. Because <laughs> God knows I'll never tell. Cut to Giles' place where Buffy's recounting the perils of shopping for groceries during Thanksgiving. Dun, dun, dun. So broody. 
she's talking about how she had to like pull out some of her almost had to pull out some of her slayer moves on some woman <laughs> angel would love shopping for groceries at <laughs> thanksgiving time he kind of probably would because like it would just give him so much more fuel this makes me so angry <laughs> i hate having to wait in line <laughs> these these fluorescent lights make me look so pasty <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> Don't you see how pale I am, Buffy? Only a man with my immense amount of broodiness could be this pasty. Were we just talking about how we really needed a voice? We were missing something from the the series because we didn't have Angel and we didn't have... Why uh, do you think I'm taking full advantage of having Angel back for just one episode? Right. Oh, I missed you, Angel, and I didn't realize how much. Buffy, you made some bad choices. You just might have to live with some consequences. This isn't over. If I have to, I'll go all the way to the mayor. But yeah, this whole scene annoyed the hell out of me, note-taking-wise, because they're having two completely different fucking conversations overlapped with each other. Ha! See, I just kind of went ahead and made a mental note that they're trying to do this thing throughout the episode, and it's kind of cute. And if I weren't so tired, I might be able to appreciate it a little more. Right. But going into watching this episode, I was phenomenally exhausted. Same. Just, it's it's been an insane couple of weeks for work schedules. For both of us. Yeah, completely independently of one another. (laughs) We just spent two weeks getting our asses kicked. That's why we didn't have an episode last week. We apologize for that, but it could not be avoided. Buffy suspects that the knife was picked for a reason, because there were other weapons about, and that that was the only weapon missing. Yeah. You know, amidst talking about cooking for Thanksgiving and, oh, Giles, you have to host because you're the patriarch or some bullshit. Yep. Um, and he's like, I think you're just trying to stick me with the cleanup. And she's like, nuh-uh. About that knife. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so she roundaboutly gets him to agree to do some research on the knife. And then she's like, oh, fuck me. I have to run off and buy some more shit. Yep. And she does. Giles is just talking into the nothingness for uh, just a moment says, what do you think? And it's Angel. Surprise. We didn't know he was in this episode. (laughs) We haven't gotten any hints whatsoever. And they pretty much spend the scene bickering uselessly about whose business it may or may not be to keep Buffy safe. And the fairness of telling or not telling Buffy that Angel is in town because his friend had a vision about Buffy being in danger. Wouldn't it have been so much better if... In the previous scenes when Buffy was, like, looking over her shoulder and shit and, like, looking about that we never saw Angel, if they had done this the moment as the reveal that Angel's in town. Oh, yeah. That would have been so much better. Yeah, but they blew their load super early and they're like, hey, guess what, everybody? You need to know that Angel's here and that that's why Buffy's being weird because she can tell she's being followed and probably even has that feeling that it's Angel. I think we're just too spoiled on modern TV shows that are built to build that suspense. Yeah. We're so spoiled on good writing. <laughs> so the the broodiness is extra intense because Angel can't do the one thing he's been programmed to do. Buffy, there's a problem. <laughs> God damn it, Buffy. 
Don't you know how broody it makes me to not be able to tell you how broody I am? I've been having to tell Giles and Willow how broody I am, but I can't tell you, and it makes me so much more broody. I just figured out a title for this episode. Broody Returns? Brood's Giving. (laughs) (laughs) Splendid. Uh, We already did Broody Land, so... yeah. But Angel suggests contacting a Father Gabriel, who might know something about something. That is correct. Well, and it's because apparently his family lineage goes so far back that he might actually have some firsthand historical knowledge of this community center's relationship with the Shumash tribe. Giles kind of berates Angel for how it is not fair that Angel gets to see Buffy, but Buffy doesn't get to see Angel. Yeah. And Angel does point out that, like, this isn't, like, him winning out. The fact that he has to see her is torture to him. Mm-hmm. I totally understand his perspective on that. I, I agree with Giles' point insofar as you shouldn't be putting Giles in the position of having to lie to Buffy. Exactly. But I do agree with Angel that it's better for her to not know that he's there. Yeah. There, she just doesn't need to be burdened with that. But also, you know, don't treat her like a child at the same time, because I don't know. She's long since fucking proved that she'd be able to handle it. I think she would have been able to handle it, and it sure would have saved a lot of unnecessary plot complication. Well, and his Angel's entire fucking point of not telling her that he's there is he doesn't want it to distract her. Oh, she's so emotionally fragile. I think I officially just completely agree with Giles now. Yeah. 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 Fuck you, Angel. Yeah, just stop treating her with kid gloves and treat her like a fucking adult. So, cut to outside a building somewhere. No, cut to a scene from A Christmas Carol. (laughs) Where Tiny Tim's bike (laughs) is staring puppily through a window at some vampires sharing a dude to eat. So there's a dude (laughs) on a table. There's a group of four vampires there. There's a vampire that's holding the guy by the back of the head. And he, like guides the other vampire that's standing next to him to bite the dude that he's holding by the back of the head. And then as the vampire, that vampire is sucking the blood from the guy, that vampire is standing there and like patting the other vampire on the back as he like drinks blood from the dude. Yeah, the whole thing. <laughs> it's a bit weird. <laughs> to say the least. Like, But what, we don't kink shame here at Beer with Buffy. What the <laughs> shit did Spike just walk in on? And why does he look at it so longingly? Which vampire does he wish he was? <laughs> does he want to be comforted as he drinks blood from his victim? I think he does at the moment. I think he does. Actually. <laughs> I just want food. <laughs> Can I have somebody to eat? <laughs> We're not there yet, but yeah. oh God. Uh, cut to the streets where Puffy is complaining about Giles only having canned whipped cream. And like apparently it only counts if you make whipped cream from scratch. There's nothing wrong with canned whipped cream. Actually, canned whipped cream is the most easy and n- natural way to do whipped cream. Yeah. Because it's literally just a CO2 cartridge and heavy whipping cream. Yeah. There's nothing else in it. Exactly. And it's delicious. Yeah. But then Riley shows up from, like, two blocks over. 
Uh huh. I I imagine he like caught a glimpse of her like way down the way, and he's like, "Oh my god, it's Buffy!" And he just ran full fucking speed, like <laughs> like jumping over people and like ducking under things and all like cartoonishly. I can see that. That would be hilarious. The in between the scenes stories that they tell with only a couple of words is always impressive. It's always hilarious when he shows up to be like, hi, Buffy, because he always looks like a lost fucking puppy dog. A little bit. <laughs> yeah, it's like, really? You're leading troops. You don't look like that kind of a hard ass, but meh, it's fiction. I'm actually noticing the the acting behind it, where the actor is shifting gears between Riley that is dorkily into Buffy and then Riley, who's the soldier. And there's actually a bit more nuance to this character than I recall there being. Yeah, he's definitely playing it well. I really don't have any good criticism for that. I feel like it could be a little more stark of a contrast, but I'm not picky. I just can't. I haven't yet seen anything that makes me remember why I didn't like him in the first place. Right? Yeah, I feel like he gets a lot of hate in the Buffy community, but we have yet to see how he leaves the show. I mean, not just in the Buffy community, from me. <laughs> yeah. Like, I've I've talked mass amounts of shit about Riley, and like I think I might have been wrong. I That's kind of where I'm at as well. But I think he does something by the end of the season that leaves a bad taste in everybody's mouth. That's possible. So Willow tactfully yet awkwardly, <laughs> which, by the way, is an impressive combination. It really is. Sidles into the coffee shop to give Riley and Buffy a little bit of time to chat alone. And they say young people don't learn anything in high school nowadays, but um, I've learned to be a friend. So what was the uh, story about that alligator? And she literally runs into Angel. Yeah. Well, he grabs her face and practically shoves <laughs> her against a wall. I'm like, I don't think that's necessary, Angel. She's like, oh, you're evil. You can hear it muffling through his hand. I want to know why in the fuck there are other people around who didn't fucking say anything about this dude attacking this girl. Yeah, especially inside of a public establishment. That's what bothers me. Yeah, I, I mean, so uh, you know this story already, Rex, but I was in Boise this summer and I'm still shit kicking myself for standing there helplessly, not knowing how to help in this situation without getting my teeth knocked out. But, you know, I saw this huge motherfucking like weightlifter type dude chase a woman down the street after she had clearly just tried to escape from him by hiding within this group of random dudes that I was just walking at pace with down the street. And yeah, that just kind of reminds me of that situation. Yeah. Not enough people in this world are socially wired to intervene. If you fear enough for your own danger, how can you help? And shit happens so fast. Yeah. But this kind of a situation is different than that. There was no running. I don't know. And he took his hand off her mouth quick enough that they were just having a normal conversation here. So I guess maybe. Yeah. But he's like, no, I'm not evil. So he brings her up to speed. No, 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 no. My favorite fucking part. He doesn't have time to talk about anything going on. But who is that talking to Buffy? <laughs> <laughs> who the fuck is this guy? I don't know what it is about this guy. But he makes me, he makes me feel some sort of familiar emotion. 
<laughs> it's something I've felt before only moments ago and pretty much since the time that I was sired. It may, I th- oh, there it is. It makes me broody, Willow. <laughs> this guy makes me broody. Uh, and then we cut back to Buffy and Riley talking about Thanksgiving plans. We get to learn a little bit about where Riley's from. A Grant Wood painting. Didn't you hear? Yeah. Derp. Oh, in Iowa. Or, or Iowa. Sure. Same thing. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, you know, one of the ones in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can actually picture where Iowa is quite well, but we're also not that far away from it. Not nearly as far away as California. Well, yeah, true. It's still like a 12-hour drive. I've done it before. That's rough. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it was. Uh, but the closing line of this scene is... Home is the place when you have to go there, they have to take you in. Basically, yeah. I mean, that definitely seems to be changing Yeah, over the, you know. Our generation and family, I think, is... Thank you, 2016 election. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Yeah. Yeah, no, I know neither of my sets of grandparents would have ever given me a room to stay in if I were homeless. They'd be like, fuck you, get a job. I've been there multiple times in my life. Yeah. Yeah. So we cut to the lair, Harmony's lair. It's no longer Spike's lair. It's just Harmony's lair now. Right? Hey, you put up those posters. She owns it now. Yeah. She may as well pee on everything. One unicorn poster and it's done. Uh-huh. But Harmony is yelling at Spike. Uh, he tries to seduce her. Tries to force his way back into her life. Yeah, real smooth, Spike. She pulls a fucking snake on him. What if I just pick you up and throw you onto this bed and nearly make some sort of innuendo about you taking me back with open legs, I mean arms? That's basically how that went. That's exactly how that went. Yeah. But she pulls a stake on him and she's like, no, fuck you. And he's disproportionately afeard of this stake. Well, also, it was a stake with a handle like a knife, right? We've never seen that before in this show. You are correct. If anybody was going to have a stake with a proper handle, wouldn't it be Buffy? Right. But no, it's Harmony. I think the reason why Spike is so actually legitimately afraid of the stake is he's in an extremely weakened state. He is. He's super fucking starving. He can't be violent because of the chip. Well, he can be violent to other vampires. Yeah, probably. But he like he's weak. He can't fight back. Yeah. There's no way he'd have a chance against Harmony, who probably fed that night. And at the very least, he's psychologically weakened against fighting other vampires. Exactly. Because he's had his confidence really fucked up by this chip thing. They really like doing this with Spike because, you know, they had him in a wheelchair for half a fucking season. Yeah. Uh, stop neutering my spikety spike. Yeah, but this neutering is... It's different and they go... Purposeful. It's purposeful? And I said purposeful. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it might be that too. I'm not sure what the exact definition of that would be. Is it bottlenose purposeful? No. I can't think of another type of whale. God damn it. <laughs> Fuck. That's a dolphin. <sighs> anyway, <laughs> this is neutering for character development though. That's the point I was going to make. Yeah, they they go somewhere with it, it ultimately, and it's definitely for the better for the character development. And better for the series, period, because honestly, of all the extra group members, like Angel and Riley and, and whatnot, Spike is by far, I think, the best. 
He's the most fun, absolutely. And you can only reuse and rehash a villain for so long before he just gets boring. Exactly. So I'm really glad that they, you know, took him somewhere that makes him three-dimensional. Exactly. So as he's leaving, she Harmony's chasing him out with this handled spike. Ironic. Uh, spike? <laughs> huh? Hey. Hey-o. Hey-o. Ah. <laughs> he's like, all right, all right, I'll, I'll go. Just what? Can I have someone to eat? <laughs> <laughs> this is the first real moment in the entire episode where I'm like, that's a good quote. Because <laughs> there's not really that many good quotes in this episode. He's so tiny, Tim Spike. <laughs> can I have someone to eat? He's so pathetic. Please, sir, can I have Please, some more? Please, sir, can I have some blood? <laughs> that's Oliver, though. I know. Oh, well, same dip. Yeah. If they're all small British children, <laughs> yeah. starving British children. Specifically, yes. <laughs> How often is that an important distinction? This often. Yes. <laughs> hey, and Spike's British. <laughs> yes. Maybe he's he's pulling this from somewhere deep within his history. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he played Oliver at a young age. Yes. And you're what? Shocked and disappointed? I'm evil. You should know better. You should know better than attempt to fake the face of the world. That was pathetic. You should know better. You should know better than attempt to fake the face of the world. There's a lot more than that. Yeah, fantastic day. Birds singing. Squirrels making lots of rotten little squirrels. Cut to the church. Very fancy fucking church. But still on the small side. Okay. I didn't really notice. So Buffy's searching for Father Gabriel. When was she clued in that this Father Gabriel um, is anything on her radar? So in the previous scene on the street, she mentioned that Giles had told her to go see Father Gabriel. Okay, so that's a conversation we didn't necessarily see right. after he spoke with Angel. Yes. Okay. She steps outside to try and find Father Gabriel to find he's hanging by a noose. Eh, he was hanging by a harness, and you can always tell. Well, yeah, but he like <laughs> show-wise, he's like noosed. I know. Yeah, it's the same thing as you pointing out when there's a stunt double. She fights the Indian, and we find out that he his name is Hoos. H-U-S. Yeah, I didn't catch him say that, but then everybody calls him Hoos for the rest of the episode, and I'm like, okay, he's Hoos. Yeah, he, he basically says, I'm Hoos. I'm Indian vengeance. No Hoos is good Hoos. No. Ah, maybe next time. <laughs> <laughs> I tried. But the fight doesn't go anywhere, and then he turns into birds. <laughs> yeah. I thought he was supposed to be a sentient, gaseous ball of energy or whatever, not a fucking murder of ravens. Maybe he did enough murder to be a murder of ravens? Maybe. maybe like, once you do a certain amount of murder, you, like, gain a level, so then you can use that power to become a murder of ravens. Yeah. Well, at least he was more than two, because two ravens is only an attempted murder. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> then cut to Giles's place, where we get the line that I was expecting to come a lot sooner. So Buffy's having this conversation with Giles, and she corrects him. By the way, the term is Native American. He's like, sorry, we don't say Indian. Oh, right, yes, uh... Always behind on the terms, still trying not to refer to you lot as bloody colonials. And that leads us into our next segment of Rex Goes on a Tangent. <laughs> just a little tangent. Just a, just a, a wee a, tangent. A, a wee tangent. 
Rex, no, or or rather, Rex stands on a soapbox. Yes, but I happen to agree with his uh, soapbox point. Go on. Um. So I have a new roommate, and it's actually exceptionally relevant to this episode, in that my new roommate is an Indian. He grew up on a reservation, hundred percent Indian. He and I had a conversation about this, about whether Indians find the term Indian offensive or Native American. And he doesn't really care one way or the other, but there are, he as he explained to me, Indians who find the term Native American more offensive than the term Indian. And that is because Indians have assimilated that word into their culture, especially the ones who live on reservations. They've assimilated that word into their culture, and then the term Native American is being thrust upon them by white people like us, mm-hmm. who are like, oh, but Indian is offensive offensive you have to be offended by it and so they're thrusting this pc culture on and it's like we already accepted this we're not going to change our identity again fuck you yeah he did explain that some indians who didn't grow up on a reservation and are you know have always lived in cities and whatnot are more likely to be somewhat bothered by indian but generally speaking more are bothered by the term Native American than they are bothered by the term Indian. This is a fascinating thing that I managed to learn literally just like a week and a half ago. Yeah, because it's very much the obvious, I'm trying not to look racist term. Exactly. Like African American. I've never met a black person who minded being just called black. Yeah. Just like we don't mind being called white. We're white. What's the problem? I actually once witnessed my friend Julia, who's black, literally yell at a woman because the woman insisted that Julia had to refer to herself as African-American. Oh, shit. (laughs) But here's the thing. She's not. She's Jamaican-American. Her Uh father is Jamaican. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's horribly racist. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, that's amazing. My point really is, this is pretty much why we're using the term Indian, aside from the fact that it's used in this episode a fuck ton. Mm -hmm. But yeah, words are weird, yo. I know, right? (laughs) So Buffy, quote of the day here, she says, and the thing is, I like my evil like I like my men. Evil. (laughs) You know, straight up black hat. Tied to the train tracks. Soon my electro ray will destroy Metropolis. Bad. Not all mixed up with guilt and the destruction of an indigenous culture. And that just is my quote of the day because it pretty much sums up this whole conversation that we really don't need to get into the details of because it's about to get dragged on for half of the episode. Yeah. Oh my gourd. So Buffy's feeling guilty about the prospect of slaying Hoos because he's not black and white evil, so she wants to find a non slay way of doing it. Q... Willow's entrance, she's carrying a metric fuckton of books about the Shumash tribe. Yes. And apparently they were very peaceful until they were exploited and brutally enslaved and murdered for crimes not committed. Uh, we really quick see a wolf staring through the window, which is obviously Hoos. Um, I want to point out a fun little behind-the-scenes tidbit. The Shumash tribe existed in a very small area of California, mm-hmm. specifically around the area of Santa Barbara. Which is the town that Sunnydale is based, based on. on. Yes. Neat. 
Now, I don't know how accurately they're depicting the Shumash tribe here, and I had no time to actually research that fact. Probably not very. Yeah, probably not very. But I thought it was fascinating that they did choose a tribe that would canonically fit in the area. That is really neat, actually. I also find it interesting that you mention accuracy, and you had an Indian story. Well, I've got an Indian story. So this one time in college, we did this show called Turtle Island Blues, and our teacher brought in several members of a local tribe to do a talkback and an analysis of the play. And it was very obvious that she just wanted to be like, look how culturally sensitive we are and not racist, wink, wink, obviously, (laughs) how not racist all of us are. And this tribe fucking hated the play. Everything about it, the performance, the script, the direction, the questions that we asked them. They were horribly (laughs) offended by everything. And I had a chance to talk with one of them one-on-one outside in the hall where we were doing a little mingling event, which I'm sure they found horribly condescending as well. Right. Or maybe not. The take-home of this story has stuck with me for nearly two decades now. Basically, so many people are like, why is this offensive in this depiction of Indians or Native Americans or whatever you're calling them? It's accurate, isn't it? Well, that's not their issue. Or at least it wasn't these guys' issue. They don't give a flying fuck if it's accurate. They want us to stop dragging up their goddamn history and just be treated like normal people. Yeah. But you never, ever see Indians portrayed on TV or in movies... For any other reason to be like, oh, our ancestors conjure the spirits of our health and stuff, and we curse you, and all that hooju shit that we associate very ignorantly with Native Americans or or American Indians, whichever term you're choosing. It's like if our life was a TV show, my Indian roommate would have to somehow be portrayed story-wise as his heritage being part of the story and solves a fucking problem because, oh, he's Indian, so that's important. Yes, if we were applying the formula that is so problematic with every portrayal of Indians in TV and movies ever, yes. (laughs) You have a character. He happens to be Indian. Move the fuck on. Yeah. It doesn't have to be part of who he is as a character for the story. Yes. You know, and I'm sure their heritage and history is very important to them, but that's their own fucking business. Yeah. Why are we why do we have this fetish about needing to portray that being such a prominent feature of their personality? White guilt. White guilt. Yes. Moving along. Argument, argument, argument. Yeah, because Willow's like, oh, no, we can't actually kill him. We've done bad things. Giles is like, but he's murdering people. We have to kill him. I'm on Giles' side on this. Like, yeah, like bad things happened to this spirit's people, but he's murdering people. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Don't murder people. And I think (laughs) 
Yeah, Giles is pretty much just very right on every side of every argument that he takes this entire episode. Buffy conveniently has to baste the turkey, which gives Willow and Giles a chance to discuss Angel. Yeah, she's like, Mom and Dad are fighting. (laughs) So she concentrates harder on cooking and having a perfect Thanksgiving. Yeah. So in this whispering conversation... Giles is like, Willow, I I have reason to believe that Buffy herself may be in particular danger from this menace. And she's like, oh, yeah, Angel, I already know about him. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We ran into each other at the coffee shop. That's not terribly stealthy of him. Yeah, I think he's lost his edge. (laughs) So anyway, a bit more argument and then doorbell rings. It's Xander and Anya. And Xander has the gall to show up sick and without roles. (laughs) (laughs) fucking quote of the day here giles is like you look like death willow says are you okay buffy says you didn't bring rolls (laughs) (laughs) fucking amazing her her tonality matched willow's concern but about rolls (laughs) it was perfect you gotta give her credit she's sticking to the plan (laughs) She's very single-minded when she gets on something. Yes, it's time to listen. The good guys are always stalwart and true. The bad guys are easily distinguished by their pointy horns or black hats. We always defeat them and save the day. No one ever dies and... So then we cut back to the cultural center where Hoos is stealing back a bunch of fucking weapons out of display cases. That is correct. Cut back to Giles' house. They decipher quickly that Xander must be sick because of Hoos. Buffy suspects that Xander's penis got diseases from a Shumas tribe. His penis got diseases <laughs> from Shumas. <laughs> so he possibly has a variety of maladies that were inflicted upon the Shumas tribe, including, but not limited to, malaria, smallpox, and uh, (coughs) syphilis. Penis diseases. Penis! (laughs) 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 But the only of those three that Xander remotely cares about is the syphilis. (laughs) Well, duh. But my favorite part is like, Anya's like, don't worry, the syphilis can't kill you. The smallpox will, (laughs) but he doesn't care about the smallpox. (laughs) More arguing ensues about the morality of killing this Shumash tribe spirit, vengeance demon or whatever. Giles sarcastically retorts, oh, let's give him some land. I'm sure that'll clear everything right up. And Buffy's like, sarcasm accomplishes nothing, Giles. And then cue another one of my quotes of the day. It's sort of an end in itself. And I was like, oh my god, he is so full of wisdom. (laughs) We are not worthy. This is one of those episodes that annoys the hell out of me because it's constant bickering about what to do. Yeah, they really kind of replaced progression of the plot with this argument. And I I think I see what they're doing. They're using, because it's a Thanksgiving episode, they're using Spike as the Tiny Tim type to much comedic effect. Yes. He's the the needy one and the outcast. And kind of the spirit of Thanksgiving is that we should be accepting of all and, you know, have open minds and bringing communities together, which they end up doing by the end of this episode. But also 
it's an infamous day for families to get together and bicker a lot about opinions. Yeah, Yeah, that is true. On current events and morality. There is a moment where Giles and Buffy step aside and Giles expresses that no amount of vengeance will stop what's happening. Like, like, Hoos will kill the people that Hoos wants to kill. And then he's going to probably keep killing people because vengeance begets vengeance. It's a cycle. This shit's bad. Yeah. That's why we have to stop Hoos. Makes perfect fucking sense. Yeah. Fear leads to hate. Hate leads to vengeance demons. Vengeance demons leads to syphilis. Apparently. Syphilis leads to the dark side. Although the dark side does have cookies. Syphilis cookies. (laughs) (laughs) And then Spike shows up. Spike! 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 Door opens. He goes, help me. And Buffy knocks him to the floor. And he's like, what part of help me don't you understand? (laughs) Yeah. She replies with, the part where I help you? (laughs) (laughs) Very nice. So Willow ends up vouching... For his performance issues, because, (laughs) you know, other than the fact that he's a villain and has tried to kill Buffy on multiple occasions, he's just trying to convince them that he's harmless and he needs and they need to hear him out. Yeah. He wins her over when he mainly has information on the soldiers. She's like, ah, shit. Okay. That's useful fucking information that she needs. It just happens to be like the one in that he had. Like he was almost dead. So almost dead. But. Back to the Willow confirming that he has performance issues. Buffy's like, what are you saying? I'm saying that Spike had a little trip to the vet and now he doesn't chase the other puppies anymore. (laughs) I can't bite anything. I can't even hit people. (laughs) And so they bring him in, they tie him up. And he spends the rest of the episode tied up, just making catty comments from the corner. Much to comedic effect. Before he gets tied up, we cut to the mission where Hoos uses the weapons that he stole to raise... A small army of warriors. Oh, yeah. And then we cut back to Giles's where Spike is getting tied up. <laughs> and there's a Bloody great- hell, woman. You're <laughs> cutting off my circulation. You don't have circulation. Well, it pinches. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's tied up and not in a kinky fun way. Oh, I think he likes it. I think he's having a good time. Oh, yeah. He's much better now that he's not, you know, stuck outside being chased by the initiative wrapped in a shitty torn blanket yeah with the sun out (laughs) (laughs) i think he'd have been better off having his coat over his head honestly someone finally goes hmm why did hoos murder these specific people he murdered yeah they're like hey maybe we should figure out the pattern of how people are dying and you know try and put a little bit of logic and order behind what's happening so that we can maybe find a solution And they take way too long to do it. They decide that the Dean is the next target because he's a leader. Spike kind of sort of puts an end to all of the bickering here. So succinctly, and I appreciate it so much. Yes. And not that he necessarily hit the right moral high ground here, but he does make a valid indisputable point about the history of the world. He doesn't hit moral high ground. He just lays it out in what is stark reality. That's what I just said. The history of the world is that countries fuck up other countries for land and resources, and none of them are sitting around feeling bad about it. Yeah. 
it's shitty, but as summed up in his line, I just can't take all this mamby-pamby boo-hooing about the bloody Indians. Uh, the preferred term is, you won, alright? You came in and you killed them, and you took their land. That's what conquering nations do. It's what Caesar did, and he's not going around saying, I came, I conquered, I felt really bad about it. The history of the world isn't people making friends. You had better weapons, and you massacred them. End of story. And it really is. Yeah. Like, it's a horrible fucking reality. It happened. That's history. Let's move forward, folks. Right. Willow volunteers to go warn the Dean that he might be a target, and Anya and Xander join. (laughs) His line about Xander, Spike's line about Xander, though, is just fucking perfect. Oh, yeah. He's like, can you leave that one? He looks like he's about to fall over. I think I can eat someone that's already dead. (laughs) (laughs) And so Xander's like, yep, I'm good. Let's go. That's that's enough motivation for him to fuck off. (laughs) We have a little bit of a time jump to a little bit later where Giles and Buffy are setting the table and the apartment gets attacked. Spike is still whining about being hungry. Buffy says you can have gravy because there's blood in it. You know what else has blood in it? Blood. (laughs) (laughs) And Hoose attacks and arrows are flying everywhere. Giles and Buffy hide between a table and a chair and just leave Spike out in the middle of the floor. (laughs) He gets shot with an arrow in the chest, luckily missing his heart. Hey, watch the heart. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because that's wood. That would have killed him. Yeah. It was like right next to his heart. Very close call. Mm-hmm. Cut to outside the Deans where Willow, Anya, and Xander are leaving the Deans and they were unsuccessful. <laughs> I like her. She gave me pie. <laughs> I, the fucking... I love that they're painting this picture about how crazy Anya... Well, not crazy, but how weird Anya is. They're like, I think they thought we were crazy. Well, it probably didn't help that Anya walked in and said, everyone got all their ears here? <laughs> I can just imagine her doing that. Yes, definitely. <laughs> but then they immediately run into Angel. This is how they figure out that Buffy's the target because the Indian is a warrior. Wait, wait, wait. You're, not, you're not doing near enough justice oh, okay. to, to Angel's Sorry. entrance. Angel brutally broods his way <laughs> over to the Scoobies <laughs> to brood upon them. <laughs> Brutally. To uh, splash his broodiness. God. All about that. Damn it. Rex, don't you know how broody Angel is? (laughs) Anyway. So, uh, based on their theory to check the Dean because he's a leader, Angel discerns rather quickly that because this guy is a warrior, referring to Hoos, that means he'll be after the strongest fighter And that means Buffy. Yep. Well, how convenient. And then they steal bikes. And for the first (laughs) time in four fucking seasons, they actually pay heed to the fact that you have to travel from one fucking location in Sunnydale (laughs) to another fucking location in Sunnydale. Yeah, that was definitely out of left field. It's oh, suddenly that's a problem and you guys can't just teleport when you need to. Fine. And it has nothing to do with the story. All it is is for a little bit later, we get one scene of the three of them riding bikes. <laughs> I think they just wanted to ride bikes. I guess. But they're riding on grass. Yeah. Why are you riding on grass? Ride on a sidewalk or the road way better. 
<laughs> Way less resistance. So back at Giles's house, Angel calls on the phone. Luckily, it is Giles that answers the phone and not Buffy who answers the phone. <laughs> right? And he's still hiding from Buffy that Angel is in town. Uh, Spike is sitting over there, hilariously riddled with arrows at this point. Uh, Buffy makes a grab for Giles' weapons chest and gets shot in the arm with an arrow. Yep. Spike is all of a sudden very amenable to the idea of apologizing to the Indians. Yes. (laughs) Uh, You know what? Sawed off with what I said about the Indians earlier. Hey, I'm really sorry, mate. (laughs) He's got like four or five arrows in him. (laughs) It's fucking hilarious. (laughs) He gets another one in his leg. That would hurt. Yeah, it really would. I'm fairly certain vampires feel pain. Yep, and then the, this is where we cut to the short scene of just them riding bikes on the grass. <laughs> and then we cut back to... Triumphant, <laughs> triumphant music plays as the Scoobs bike over grass on stolen bikes to Buffy's aid. Yes. Cut back to the house. Proof that saving the world from ghosts and goblins and demons means that you can do petty theft. Uh, the ends justify the means. Absolutely. I'm fine with that. And then we get really the final fight. They arrive at the house that is under siege by this gang of killer ghost Indians. Xander takes out one with a a potted plant. And Willow and Anya start teaming up with shovels on one of them. Buffy gets in a large elaborate fight like she does. Yep. Hoose jumps through the window and attacks Buffy. No hoose is good hoose. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Uh. Yeah, so stabbing them isn't working. Angel leaps in and snaps one of their necks. That seemed to work. For a moment. For a minute. It was the same one that jumped on his back a yeah. moment later. And Anya's like, what's he like when he is evil? <laughs> I Meaner? He wouldn't have killed him so quickly. He'd have tortured his family for a while first. Yes. Yeah. He'd have drove him insane first. <laughs> Giles appears to be sustaining a bit of a concussion as one of the Indian <laughs> ghosts just mashes his head against the wall repeatedly. Oh my god, the expression on his face was just so perfect. That was just, oh man, it was comedic gold. So, Spike still sits helplessly in the chair. Oh bloody hell, as he gets shot in the leg again. And Buffy figures out that uh, Hoos can be killed with his own knife. Yes. What a crazy random happenstance. <laughs> and then he turns into a fucking bear and Spike's like, you made a bear. I didn't mean to. Undo it. Undo it. <laughs> and yeah, like Spike's pretty fearless for the most part. But, you know, when you're tied up and there's a fucking bear in the room. Just I, I like the way he said it, though. You a made- bear. You made a bear. <laughs> Yeah, this isn't fucking build a bear, Spike. I'm not Undo sure. It. <laughs> not kill the bear. No not take stop the bear. Undo the bear. No takes his backsies. <laughs> so Xander, with his everyman power, distracts the bear with a yam, calling him Gentle Ben. Hey, Gentle Ben, over here. Oh, the cleverness, it hurts. Yeah, and then... Uh, Buffy runs up behind him and stabs Hoos with his own knife. Mm-hmm. That's a shitty way to die. <laughs> <laughs> and How'd you die? 
I got stabbed with my knife. My own knife. <laughs> it was my only weakness. Then why did you carry it with you? <laughs> right. You could have used a normal knife to kill them. <laughs> I don't know. It just felt a bit more, you know, ironic. <laughs> That's not ironic. It's just coincidental. <laughs> Good callback. <laughs> so they all puff out in a green dust cloud. Yep. You kill the leader, you kill them all. Uh, yeah, that's how that works in video games, right? Yes. So Buffy, uh, so now we're in the wrap-up. They're all sitting around the table. Well, first Angel le- looks at Buffy and then leaves before Buffy sees him. And then Buffy turns and looks out the window and looks at an empty yard. I missed that. I'm just imagining some flowing curtains that she's looking past as she sees the distinctly angel-shaped dust cloud in the air that's totally accurate excellent (laughs) Uh, and then into the wrap-up very akin to wily coyote meep meep yes (laughs) (laughs) i only got a couple lines here that i cared about at all for this wrap-up xander's line is the best so buffy says it wasn't exactly a perfect thanksgiving xander says and he's like perfect thanksgiving if you ask me A bunch of anticipation, a big fight, and now we're all sleepy. And we did all survive. Yeah, that's why it's the wrap-up, because that's what they were going for this whole episode. It's just one big, ridiculous analogy to the average American experience on Thanksgiving. And then Xander reaches over, puts his arm on Anya's shoulder, and says, And you know what? I think my syphilis is clearing right up. And they say romance is dead. (laughs) (laughs) Or maybe they just wish it. (laughs) The cap on top of all this, Willow says, well, maybe we started a new tradition this year. Or maybe not. Well, at least we all worked together. It was like old times. And Xander just shoves his foot directly into his mouth. All the way to the knee. (laughs) Down to the knee. Yeah, especially with Angel being here and everything. We get a nice little tableau shot of the everybody at the table from Buffy's POV, and every one of them looks fucking terrified. Yep. Except for Spike. Right. Who looks very bemused. The man just wants some blood. <laughs> yeah, get him some fucking cow's blood. Come on. I mean, the butcher's probably closed on yeah, Thanksgiving. Think, yeah. Gerarg. Gerarg. Is this for me? I must be ready. I need my strength, strength. Give, 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 give me more! Nights, I shall give, walk in here. Hold on. You've got something here. How'd you feel about this episode, Rex? I mostly liked it. I was annoyed by the constant bickering and arguing, but... I understand what they were going for, and I can accept that. Outside of that, the rest of the episode was fantastic. It was hilarious. I recall guffawing at this episode when I saw it originally back in the early 2000s, or late 2000s, whenever I watched it. And I'm just so sad that I was not really able to fully appreciate it because I was so damn tired watching this episode. Yeah. Because the whole thing with Spike being tied up, making catty comments the whole time, just didn't strike me as as funny as I remembered it being. Right. But his comment about, 
Oh, boo-hoo with all your mamby-pamby, white guilt and shit. That whole thing definitely rang just as true as it did Yeah, 20 years ago. And no, I think they hit the nail on the head, and I, I enjoyed it for that aspect. And also, this episode is necessary to remember, if for no other reason, for the reference callback to it in Once More With Feeling. Yeah. His penis... It got, got diseases from a Schumacher truck. Yeah. What's with that? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I didn't not enjoy this episode. I thought it was pretty good. I thought it was pretty good as well. Excellent. What's your quote of the day, Rex? I'm actually not going to pick a spike line, which might be surprising because there's some really good ones. Some good ones. And especially like a bear, you made a bear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But I'm going to pick Giles' line. Oh, right. Yes, yes. Always behind in the terms. Still trying not to refer to you lot as bloody colonials. <laughs> <laughs> that was on my radar as, op- as an option as well. So what's your quote of the day? My quote of the day. Well, first, I've got a couple shout outs that I want to make to lines that I had written down, but didn't make it into the episode otherwise. Honorable mentions. Honorable mentions. Anya says to Xander as she finds him in the basement and realizes he's sick, we'll die together. It's romantic. Let me get your trousers off. Right, because he's like, oh, no, you can't do anything. You'll get sick. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I forgot about that one. Because it's a, it's a nonsense sandwich. We'll die together and let me get your trousers off is the bread. Of the surrounding it's romantic. Neither of these things are romantic. Exactly. But it's hilarious um, because it's Anya and Anya's hilarious. Um, Yam Sham was hilarious, but we did mention that. Yep. Uh, Can I have someone to eat? I'm just re-experiencing all of the good quotes that we already covered. And then the one, the other one that we didn't hit during the episode was Xander, in response to Spike's line, basically Spike's big speech about quit feeling guilty and move the fuck on, Xander says, maybe it's the syphilis talking, but some of that made sense. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Why didn't I write that one down? (laughs) Right? That was a good one. But for the overall quote of the day, I was trying to avoid this because it seems like the obvious choice, but I think that's exactly the reason that I shouldn't avoid choosing this line. As the quote of the day, it's not like it matters. We're not mailing out awards. We're not posting it anywhere. It is purely for your ears in this moment. Spike's line, you won, all right? You came in and you killed them and you took their land. That's what conquering nations do. It's what Caesar did, and he's not going around saying, I came, I conquered, I felt really bad about it. The history of the world isn't people making friends. You had better weapons, and you massacred them. End of story. That's my quote of the day, because I think that summates the episode. Yeah, it really does. And I think it's it's one of those moments like when Anya said... I think it's ludicrous that we have these interlocking bodies and don't interlock. It's one of those things that my brain picked out as if you take anything away from Buffy the Vampire Slayer, it's this moment. Yeah. And that was one of those moments for me. And the other thing I'm going to take away from this episode is 
calling Thanksgiving the ritual sacrifice holiday. Absolutely. Keep in that one. Yeah. Don't worry, Edgar. You'll be fine. Well, I think this has been another episode of Beer with Buffy. How about you, Rex? I think it has. Excellent. I think we did good. Yeah, real good. Real good, Rex. We're so good at this. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know, right? Someone's got to talk us up, right? That we are good at our jobs. You should listen to us. (laughs) Anyway, follow us on Twitter. Give us a like on Facebook. More importantly, the best way you can ever help us is if you want to give us a review on iTunes or even just a rating. We have merch. If you want to buy yourself a Beer with Buffy t-shirt or a mug, you can head on over to store.beerwithbuffy.com. If you want to support us financially without buying merchandise, you can head on over to patreon.beerwithbuffy.com. Buy us a beer, help us keep the lights on, etc. You can always email us with any questions, comments, or concerns at beerwithbuffy at gmail.com. You can always leave us a voicemail or even text us at 269-743-0783. As always, big-ass thank you to Benjamin Alexander and Reggie Page for all our transitional opening and closing music. And don't forget, you've only got one more week to enter into the big Beer with Buffy t-shirt contest by going to Twitter and making an original post making sure to mention at beer with Buffy and hashtag BWB shirt and giving us your best glowing review of beer with Buffy because this has been beer with Buffy. I'm Josh. I'm Rex. So brooded. Have a good night. Have a broody night, Rex. What if I don't want to have a broody God, night? God, I want to have a good Damn night, it. Rex. <laughs> don't you know how broody I am? done why are we watching this <laughs>